Santon Time Studios in Africa's richest square mile. This is the Santon Times Podcast with your host, Alexander. Welcome to the 50th episode of the Santon Times Podcast. Can you believe it? Uh, and this week, we're going to do something quite different. We're going to do it in two parts. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> this is part one. It's uh, week 16. It's April 2021. And uh, if you've stuck it out for 50 episodes, thank you so much. You're absolute rock stars. And if you're listening to this for the very first time, well, welcome to you. You've got a lot of catching up to do. You've got 50 episodes to listen to. Good luck to you. If you want to get in touch, you can email editor at santantimes.co.za. You can connect with us on social media at santantimes. That's on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. Whatever, just, I mean, I think we've even got an OnlyFans account, uh, <laughs> for whatever reason. I don't think there's anything on there, but uh, you can check that out as well. And then there's also the website, www.santantimes.co.za. And as always, don't forget, you can subscribe, share, and leave a review or rating for this podcast on your favorite podcast platform. And uh, wherever you're listening to us in the world, there's been, uh, I think, 47 countries, 48 countries last year, uh, from places like Martinique, Qatar, Mauritius all over the place like it's just crazy where people are finding this podcast welcome to you and uh, obviously if you're from Santon and Greater Santon thank you for listening every single week it's great to have you on oh that just cut off how was that <laughs> just ended well that's great after 50 weeks still uh, so amateurish no jokes uh, yeah so wherever you're listening to all is well in Santon land and uh, 50th podcast this is part one of that podcast we're going to lo- release two podcasts this week uh, because yeah, there's just so many public holidays, long weekends, you got time to listen to a podcast and we thought, well, let's make the 50th podcast a real banger. And uh, to make it even more interesting, I even got a guest on for uh, these two podcasts uh, for the 50th anniversary. Her name is Amrit von Straten. She actually had me on her uh, online radio show, uh, Radio Set Africa. So I thought, well, let me return the favor. Come join me on uh, our podcast. Let's uh, talk smack for two hours, two episodes, part one and part two. Amrit, good to have you on this podcast. Thank you, Alex. Uh, I'm so privileged to be here. Listen, I think you're probably the first live guest we've ever had on this podcast. That's... Well, that's why I say I'm privileged and I'm happy to be here. I think you're amazing, just by the way. Keep going. Your podcast is ridiculous, so professional. So, yes. I'm ready. You can stay for the next two hours. But Great. but it's because we also need to talk about stuff. So That's true. Yeah. So, Amrit, tell me a little bit about yourself. Like, man, I mean, no one, no one knows you. Uh, I mean, in terms of our listenership. So, right. uh, I just mentioned briefly you do an online radio show. But just give us like a you know, quick elevator pitch on who's Amrit von Straten. Right, so uh, as you've mentioned, I do a, a two-hour radio show about uh, basic business ideals, really. And um, that's why I had Alex there. He's got a very impressive biography. Uh, I don't know if it's on your on your website. It should be, Alex. Just, no, it's just not. saying. No, no, and, no. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, basically I've been working on ships for, for about 10 years now. And, of course, I had to come back due to COVID. No choice there. So, so yeah, I started in, in 2001. Um, when, when, uh, 2000, no, 2011, sorry, I was still- When you're saying you're working on ships, let's just clarify that. That's not like sort of these like booze cruises on the heart of Beersport Dam. This is like proper cruise liners. Proper cruise liners. And the Caribbean in the middle, in the, what's it called? Uh, the Atlantic Ocean, the Correct. Mediterranean Ocean. So these are like proper, proper ships, Sam. Eh? Yes, to yeah. give an example of the cruise lines I've worked on. So Celebrity, uh, P&O, it's a British line. Uh, celeb- um, 
Carnival. Yes, yeah. Royal Royal Caribbean. Haven't been. You haven't done those? Okay, right. I've picked the wrong Um, one. Yeah, so I've done two world cruises on Cunard. World cruises? Yes. Tell tell us, what's a world cruise? I mean, I've never been on a world cruise. Well, I've done two different ones. So you get like a, a mini one and then you get a full one. So basically... It's like half the world. That's what they say. Okay. So uh, I've seen, so, so you know, let's say, for example, we start off in the in the UK, Southampton. That's uh, your set-off port. Isn't that where the and Titanic left? Yes. Well, no, New York. New York originally, remember? No, they were on their way go. from Southampton to New York. Yes, so that's yes. the crossing. That's yes. the famous crossing that Queen Mary, actually, very interesting, only does that. So um, in a certain time of the year, so it literally goes Southampton, New York, New York, Southampton, Southampton, New, New York. York. It's crazy. Seven sea days. That's it. Okay. So that's what that's for. So and people say what? So you don't even go anywhere. So that's for proper cruisers, people that goes on the cruise ship for the ship itself. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Carry on. Sorry, I interrupted so, you. So no, yeah. Fine. Okay. So, so we're world cruise. So you leave mm-hmm. Southampton. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then you go. Uh, you do the crossing, of course. Uh, so the the famous uh, Atlantic crossing, um, rough sea days, uh, a couple of rough rough. Days. Is the Atlantic pretty pretty nasty? Yes. Yeah. Like what? What do you when you say rough? Like what are we talking about? Like is it sort of, uh, sort of d- degree wise? Like are we going thirty degrees, twenty degrees? Like are we going up and down, back and forward, or is it just a little bit bumpy? You know, it's funny because you know it. It's never the same. It's not predictable. Um, it's, it's very interesting. Like we'd be in a, in a rough season and it'll be dead quiet. And then we'll be in seasons where it's supposed to be peaceful and it's great. So it's- You never know. Never, you never know. You but, never know. But you can take something against that though. I mean, for, for people who've never been on a cruise, I know that they're always like frightened right. that they might end up on a cruise and they're going to be sick for 20 days, which is the last thing you want to do, especially if you're going on honeymoon or whatever. And then you're on a ship and you're just throwing up all over the place, not because of the cocktails or the tequila, but because of the ship going back and forth. But there's stuff you can take, right? I mean, there's doctors on the ship. Yes. Yes. It's a medical team. Uh, you get the seasickness tablets, um, which you take and, and just, you know, for your listeners to know, you have to take it the night before. Ah. Um, tip, if yeah. you've already been sick, it's it's kind of too late. So yeah, you take that, and then we've got we, I call them myths. So they say eat green apples that helps. I don't really think it does, but they they believe that. Um, and funny, let me tell you a funny story about that. So I had this girl from from Zimbabwe who worked for me. So she was a massage therapist, right? I'm a spa manager on board. I haven't even mentioned that. Yeah, just contextualize so, that. It's like yeah. she was working so, for me. Okay, so, um, so you're a spa manager yes. on board. She yes. was a massage therapist, got right. it. Okay. So my teams, I always got a team of about nine, 19 to 35 staff members. From all over the world. From all over the world. And um, a lot of South Africans, of course, as well, Zimbabweans, a um, lot of English, English staff. And then you've got the Latin Americans. Uh, yeah, so all over the place. But anyway, so this girl... I'm telling you, she was sick every day. So she had seasickness and we were in the Caribbean. So the, the ship hardly moves there because the oceans are, you know, very still. And she had seasickness. She even had it when we were docked. It was, it was bizarre. And uh, one day she came to me, the, the nicest girl. And she told me, Amarit, I don't know if this is for me. And uh, I said, you know what? Just stick it out. You know, I, I think there's going to be a time where you get used to it. And uh, she did not. Nope. Sure. Nine well, I mean, Z- Zimbabwe sickness. is landlocked. So I suppose if she'd, right. if she'd done a few sort of joy cruises on the Zambezi or, you know, one of the lakes, but 
you know, I don't know, maybe this is not really, I, th- I don't think Zimbabwe has an, a very aspirational Navy based on the fact that they don't actually have an ocean. So maybe this isn't really the, the, the right job, but I suppose different strokes for different people, right? Everyone reacts differently. I mean, I suppose there's also people who think, man, I'm gonna tackle this, I do scuba diving or whatever, and suddenly they get on the ship and it just all falls apart, right? hundred percent. There's no way of knowing if you're going to be seasick or, or not, you know, sure. it, it just is. But uh, so yeah, let's get back to what I, what I was doing. So uh, spa manager. Yes. Yeah. World cruises. World cru- oh yeah, we were yeah. talking about that. We're just jumping all over. That. I know. It's, it's unbelievable. Um, yeah. So world cruise doing the crossing, you go over to the US. Um, so you can do, we do Miami. So it all depends. Uh, Miami, um, New Orleans. Sure. Waterdale. Wow. And uh, then you go a little bit over to the Caribbean islands, so yeah. Jamaica, Curacao, Aruba. Um, then also Colombia. So you go Colombia. Um, then you go through the Panama Canal, which is very interesting. Right. Um, the, the history of that. I mean, if you don't know anything about a Google it, the, the amount of time it took them to build the the canal because years ago you couldn't you couldn't go through um, from the U.S. and 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 um, South America, you couldn't cross unless you had a very small, tiny boat. So you kind of had to go all the way down to Chile and then sort of come back up again. Yeah, that must have taken forever. Yes. So they, you know, a lot of engineering, the history is very interesting and that's like a whole other topic, but they built this whole, you know, channel for you to, for big cruise ships to be able to to go through there. Doesn't it also go different levels? Yes. Yeah, I I remember something like that, that it kind of goes up and down and and it sort of adjusts to whatever the sea level is. So the process is very slow. Um, so you go through, you stop, they adjust the levels and then you go through again. But it's, it's, it's quite bizarre because you're next to the walls. So the ship literally, you just go straight through. And you're not scratching the sides. There's, there's like things, you know. Oh, they've like got like sort of protection and, okay. Protection next to the side. But and then how long does that process take? Like what, what are we talking about? When you say it takes a little bit of time, what, like a half an hour or three hours or? Almost a full day. Like, like this what? is from morning, yes. So it's literally, so they try to um, always do it, let's say from 5 a.m. So guests, some guests travel just to, to it because it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. So you get up at five and it's a whole photo shoot that goes on. The photographers on the ship gets off. So they get off into the Panama and they take photos from the side. So how the ship moves, it's very interesting. So there's like Jeffrey and Susie on the side of the boat waving and then there's a picture of you in the Panama Canal for, for a day going up and down. That's amazing. I never yes. thought that would be so, so interesting. I'm telling you, people get up at <laughs> wow. five and they, they're there for the whole process. The, the photos, it's it's very, yeah, it's very technical. It's great. And then yeah. by 5 p.m. we'll be through and there we go. Off to uh, the other side of... Um, so yeah, so now you're on the sort of the... Uh, what is it? Northeast, south, the west coast yes. of South America, uh, heading over the Pacific. That's correct. To be specific. So then you go to um, Cabo. Okay. Uh, uh, Mexico. Ah, yeah, so yeah. See, okay, there. Mexico. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yes. And then, and then you go to Hawaii, or what? There we go. Okay. Hawaii, um, and then after Hawaii, you do a little bit the small islands: Bora Bora, Tahiti. Before you get over, so you go from Hawaii. So when you look at the map, you you go to the across to New Zealand, Australia. But before you get there, you go Fiji. And, and that must be crazy. I mean, I've seen pictures of Bora Bora, and it looks like you can literally see the other side of the world through that water. Listen, it's so clear. It's like glass. I'm telling you, you can see stingrays kilometers from you. You can see them as clear as glass. You know, through the water, it's it's beautiful. You don't need to snorkel there. You don't need goggles. Yeah. You can see the fish around. You just stand you. in the water. 
It's amazing. And then so and then you do sort of Southeast Asia, that mm-hmm. sort of Thailand, uh, Malaysia, oh. Japan. So not Thai. I, I didn't stop in Thailand. Sometimes they do, but yes, we did. We did Japan. Um, we did a lot of places in Japan. Let me tell you, I love Japan. It's it's absolutely amazing. Uh, very clean, very disciplined. It's it's. It, we had the from the whole world cruise, the warmest welcome we received with shows, um, uh, fireworks was in Japan. Oh, okay. And so they do like a little welcome. welcoming ceremony when you get to the it port. Was, okay, yeah, it's beautiful. Dancers, like you know, and when we left, there was another like a goodbye farewell, fireworks, the whole thing. Sayonara. Very, yes. Yeah. Very welcoming, um, and Mrs. Japan was also on the ship. She greeted us. Oh wow! Huh? Yeah, it was they. They know how to host. They sure, hey. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they've got the Olymp. Well, we don't know. We hope they have the Olympics <laughs> this year. So then we'll probably get to see a little bit on TV. I don't I'm know how much or how little they're going to do, but I'm wow, excited. interesting, eh? Hey? Yeah, sure. My, my expectations are high because I've have seen what they can do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, listen, this was all pre-COVID, right? Mm, so uh, exactly. different times, eh? different times. And uh, yeah, so you said Japan, and then Sri Lanka, uh, Vietnam. So, yeah. so, so this is like a total bucket list kind of trip, hey? I mean, this is like if you've ever wanted to see the whole world, just get on a ship. And how long is it? So, four months. Okay. Um, a lot of guests, though. So, out of, let's say, 20% of guests stay there for four months. So, not every, everybody thinks, wow, everybody, no. So, you know, the major ports we stop, people will get on and off as well. So, people might do 12 days of the world cruise. So, you'll do a ah, part. So, right. certain countries that you might want to see, you can do, we call them segments. So you can do certain segments in certain countries. So you can get up in Australia and get off in Sri Lanka if you want. So it's like timeshare. Like you have like a, a part. 100%. Yeah, it's because you don't have the money for four months. That's why. So you're just telling people, no, I'm just doing the segment. Yes. Meanwhile, it's exactly. actually you're, you're broke and you can't actually do the whole month. Because yes. I mean, who does the four months? I mean, who are these people? Are they sort of like lottery winners or? They're, they're retired. Know, retired billionaires. Or? Because obviously, you know, they're not working. So they're sure. retired. Um, and, and let me tell you, it's not first timers. Really, they they could easily do. And you know what's funny? They don't even get off. It's bizarre. So they could actually sail the ship. They've been on ship so much. I mean, they might. If the captain wants to just take a day off, they could just be like, "Look, I got this." I'm telling you, that's crazy, eh? Yeah? Sure. So these people are like seasoned travelers, and you think they probably would have seen everything already. Uh, they have. Oh, they have. And okay. that's why most 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 of them don't even get off. You're right. But we'll be we'll be like, "Oh, you're so excited. We're in Bora Bora today." Oh no. I'm just well, gonna whatever. I'm going to go play chess today. I'm like, oh, nice. Okay, you don't so, want to come see the stingrays. <laughs> okay, all right, go. All right, there you are. So they're there for the onboard. You know, with QNAR, just, just to tell you something about them. So they, the history is fantastic. So they were the first, so they called um, the White Star Line originally. Okay. If you Google them, they were the first ship um, on scene when the Titanic sank. Ah, so, so they, they only have three ships they're launching. They were supposed to launch, unfortunately, in 2019, and then COVID hit. And that's the first ship they've launched in years. So they are only three ships, which is very little. If you think about all the other cruise lines have at least nine, nine to 25 ships, right? So they only have three. They're very exclusive. They still do the white glove service. Sure. So it's very... It's very old. It literally feels like you're on the Titanic when you're there. Sounds very bougie. Well, I mean, I suppose um, the, the good parts, right? I mean, not the last parts. Yes. And uh, the crew must be very old if they've been around since the Titanic. <laughs> are they old? Are they not new new crew? They're, uh, <laughs> they are. They I are. see. You they're mean trained, the, the cruise line has been around old. since then, not the, the crew? There we go, the cruise line. Oh, I, I see. Crew? 
Did I say crew? No, I yeah, just wanted to clarify because oh. people might be listening like, geez, well, you know, these people must be like 120 or something serving you. That's <laughs> Okay, but, you know, funny enough, you said uh, they were going to launch a new ship because I also uh, have been following uh, Virgin's cruise. Mm-hmm. I mean, since they announced it and I uh, was in touch with the team there following the story yes. and I think they were about to launch their first maiden voyage in June of mm. 2020. Scarlet Lady was the name. Oh, man. This, and it looked so amazing. Mm. This ship looked so sick. It's a different level. And different and level. it never happened. And I'm so sad. I and know. I see now they're announcing 2022. And I really hope that they just pull through. Mm. Because what a terrible time to launch a business like that. Because, I mean, yes. the money that goes into this. And the time and the effort. And now you can't do it. Mm. And we're going to talk. I want to talk to you a little bit more about when things are going to come back and how it's going to come back. That's going to be interesting. But I just want to tell you something on yeah. that point. Virgin is not the only one. Neither is Cunard. Because I'm, I'm, you know, I was on the ships. Royal had a new ship coming out. P&O had a new ship coming out. Uh, Princess had a new ship coming out. So almost, almost every cruise line was launching and building a new ship. And that's completely been, like, brakes have been put on, you know. What um, a ship show. Yes. Exactly. Can you believe it? All right, cool. Let's let's get into the rest of the show, and then we'll we'll still be chatting throughout this uh, this hour. So, what are we got coming up in this uh, episode? Well, she's a South African actress. She's now in the United States, and we catch up with her to chat about some of her new movie projects. This is going to be really interesting. And uh, if you like getting out and about in Johannesburg, well, stay listening. We're going to be talking to uh, an NGO that's uh, looking after a lot of our waterways and our uh, trail routes that you can do in uh, Johannesburg. But first, it's time for our news to go. Right, Amoret, I've found a couple of stories and I think you've also got uh, one or two there. So let, let me kick off with, with, with my stuff because I think it's a little bit more sort of like everyday serious, uh, whatever. Uh, yeah, so big story this past week uh, in Santon. Baldwin Properties cancelled their Wedgwood Santon development. And I don't know if it was just me that was completely thrown off my chair. What? I couldn't believe it. Uh, and when one of Santon's largest construction projects in years. I mean, we hadn't seen any major construction plans since I think this massive spurt that we had with the Leonardo, uh, Discovery, uh, Discovery's new building, Weber Wenzel, uh, Worksman's. I mean, there was just, you know, this burst and then suddenly nothing happened for a while. And then suddenly this announcement and I thought, wow, this is pretty interesting. Well, they announced, then the Bullman announced they're no longer doing this project. They're not going to move forward with it. And literally, they, they, I mean, if you looked at some of the announcements that they had made in the past, in seven weeks, they sold over a billion rand in sales. The, Veg, the Wedgwood development was going to have a five-a-side soccer field on the roof, an outdoor cinema, smeg appliances in all the apartments. Um, they had a, a paddle facility, which I've never even heard of. It's sort yeah. of like squash meets tennis. I, I, I've never played this before, but it sounds very interesting. And... Um, the amount of marketing, the amount of publicity, show days, webinars, I mean, this place was going all out and it looked like it was doing unbelievably well. Right. And then suddenly, just overnight, there was just this, uh, we're not going to do this anymore. We're moving on and, you know, here's a cup of coffee. Thanks for coming. And I thought this was very strange. Anyway, I sent a note to, to Baldwin. Um, uh, I'm hoping to get a sort of a detailed answer on some of these questions because right. I felt like there was just more to it. But they sent a, a, a statement to say that uh, 
the decision was made after consulting with board members who agreed that at this time the company would no longer focus on its lifestyle apartment brand, but rather on its tried and tested development models being the classic green and signature collections. All purchasers and investors have been contacted and will be reimbursed in the upcoming weeks as a matter of priority. Bourbon Properties uh, assures the public and partners that they are taking this matter very seriously. We, we did a story on it on the website, the Facebook page, social media accounts, uh, the website, everything was taken down uh, right. uh, literally within not even 12 hours of this announcement. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was a bit odd just to pack up sort of a, a 1 billion rand development just like that. And, and, and that was the statement. So very interesting. I'm keen to see if there's anything else that comes of it. But now we've got this uh, big open piece of land. I don't know what's going to happen to that right now. Yeah, so that, that that's definitely, I think, one of the biggest stories. Because, I mean, that was going to bring a few thousand people into the heart of Santon. It was targeted at sort of your first time apartment home buyers. I mean, there were the, the apartments were going for seven ninety nine, yes. including transfer fees and whatever, whatever. There was another deal about to come out at eight ninety nine, which included your first year's levies. So yeah, I mean, like very attractive. I mean, a massive development in the heart of Santon, and that's now just I don't know, been shelved, put on a pause. Yeah. Weird. So so first of all, I want to say to to your listeners, listen. Alex was shocked because I was here when we found <laughs> out, and uh, he was proper shocked. And and we had a little a little discussion about it. Like like you just said, it's a great obviously it's a great idea because there was a big buy in. So the idea was amazing because you saw this big interest, and then to then cut it after you've seen okay this can work very good. They like you say there has to be a diff- it's it's very bizarre isn't it so you yeah. say right let's go here's all the plans it sounds fantastic and then you go oh no no wait on on second thought we might not I feel like there needs to be more to this exactly. you know it's like it's like sort of I like agree. it's like when somebody plans a wedding which is also very expensive in your own personal capacity right and then sort of like on the day of the wedding you just get like an email saying well John and I decided that we're not going to do this anymore and <laughs> um, we're gonna we're gonna refund you your parking ticket and thanks for coming. Come on, man. Like exactly. people want to know, like what happened? Like what do you mean John and you're not doing this anymore? Like yeah. really? I mean, exactly. so anyway, so that's that's the one big story. Then uh, the president announced local government elections are taking place on October 27th, which is a Wednesday. So that's right. all we really know. That's, I mean, now it's up to uh, Dr. Dlamini Zuma to now, you know, put all the pieces in place and do the promulgation and all of that. But uh, important story for us because it uh, determines all of our local functionings. So exactly. Greater Santon, if you're complaining about potholes, if your dustbins haven't been picked up, if stuff isn't working, let me tell you, now's the time. Make it work for you because everyone's out to impress. Your councillors, your ward councillors, your local government representatives are going to be hopefully pulling out the stops to impress okay. you before October. So yeah. so Now's if you've, the time to speak up. Right? Absolutely, yeah. If you haven't had power, if uh, I don't know, there's a, hmm. you know, there's 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 stuff that hasn't been addressed for the last four years. They're going to probably pull out the stops now because the moment they're elected, we'll probably never see or hear from them again. So if you've ever wanted a coffee with your award councillor or maybe be invited for lunch or a three course meal, this is the time. And I'm I'm presuming you're going to be one of those. No, I don't know. I mean, I, th- I think I've I met, yeah, I've actually met the ward councillor for our area here once or twice. A right. very nice guy, but. Uh, Apart from that, I don't think I've I've spoken to them in in in, in years. Mm. I think even just ward councillors getting in touch with the Santon Times in general, I think is sort of a special occasion. Uh, mm. I feel like I always need to roll out the red carpet because who knows when I'll see them again. That's true. But now, twenty seventh of October, 
Might be getting some phone Alice calls. All right. Then uh, two suspects were fatally shot and four arrested in a foiled robbery on the M1 highway next to Woodmead Drive in Santon. So this also happened this past week. Crime intelligence officials received information about a robbery that was set to take place in the Johannesburg area. It's a tip-off. Uh, then it says police from Gauteng's Serious and Violent Crimes Unit and Johannesburg Flying Squad operationalized. So that probably means they got into their cars, they geared up, and uh, they basically took the information and started observing and watching. Obviously, they must have gotten specifics as to where to be, what time, etc. Yes, like a tip-off. Like a tip-off. Okay. And I don't, know if, I, I don't know how this tip-off happened, but mm. it's quite interesting that this happens. I mean, I never thought that... Um, you know, there'd be people sort of walking around and then suddenly like they see something and they go, oh, let me send an SMS. Because you always hear like, you know, phone this number, SMS this number, but it's yes. great to see that people are actually using these things. Anyway, so at about quarter to 12 uh, on the day, three cars, uh, an Audi A4S, a Hyundai i20 with 10 suspects were spotted on the highway. My f- my release. And the police intercepted it. So they got to the guys before they could do anything. And uh, yeah, I mean, from the pictures I saw on Twitter, I mean, they had to close off the whole highway because I think this thing just turned into a little bit of a, a mess. But they got the guys. I think four of them were still on the run. I think one, uh, there's a handful of them that are still on the run, but they, they managed to arrest four. Two were shot. So, I, I mean, that's the end of that. Uh, so yeah, crazy, right? But they don't say why. No, there's no more details. Um, so, yeah. Alarm! Alarm! Right then, an anonymous telephonic bomb threat led to the evacuation of Santon City Shopping Centre this past Saturday evening. Customers of Santon City spilled onto the streets as the mall decided to evacuate. Police gave the all clear just after 9pm following a sweep of the premises and it looked absolutely, looked a bit chaotic, but uh, I think that's what it looks like when you have to get a whole bunch of people out of a building really quickly. It's not the first time that Santon has had these kind of bomb threats that led to an evacuation. I remember employees at EY and Alexander Alexander Forbes Santon had to evacuate their offices after a bomb scare in 2019. And in that same year, an anonymous bomb threat call prompted the evacuation of Old Mutual's building in Santon. And then in 2018, Nelson Mandela Square was uh, confirmed by the SAPS to be all clear of any threats following a bomb scare there. So, yeah. But I'm happy nothing happened. There was uh, no serious incidents and uh, everybody managed to get out of the building safely. And uh, yeah, we're going to keep our eye on this one. Uh, so those are sort of the, the hardcore stories for this week uh, that I picked up uh, in and around Santon. But but you've also got a story. So tell me your story, uh, Amrit. What have you brought to the table here? So so actually, I'm going to catch you off guard now. Yeah. Because you just led me into something else. So, so Alex, you, you'll know better than me the road that's next to your complex, right? Yes, yes. So... You know, I've driven that road a couple of times, and people always park on the sides. Which yes, it's not a it's not a parking zone. It's yeah, not a well, uh, as but, as as Santon goes, yeah, yeah. It's funny. Right? It's also the same, probably the same people who are driving through red traffic lights, even though red means stop, green means go. But we'll do a whole educational on that one day. Yeah. Okay, right, a whole show, a whole show on yeah. red means stop, green means go. Yes, yeah. actually, you should just like you know the learner's book. Yes, the K fifty three. I feel like a lot of people like skipped the learner's part. Totally, they just you know. They just got too good, and, yes. uh, and they said oh, they got in a car, and they said, "Oh, this is not this is not that hard." And I'm going to make my own rules. Yeah, go. so they're parking wherever they want to park, right? right. Okay, and you know this, correct? So, and and every time I, I drive past there, I'm like, "How do they park here? And how do they not get tickets?" Or you know, bizarre. yes, how's that possible? Because there's parking, like literally, just drive 
through the the mark is the, is the shopping center correct? Yes, yeah, the you mark just shopping. Just underneath, yes. and there's loads of parking. Tons. So, so I don't get that, but anyway, and every day I, I, I drive past there, it blows my mind. So yesterday, I drove I, dro- I drove down, and I see the traffic cops, and they're not driving their normal traffic car. They've got a truck, like a towing truck. Yes. I've never seen one of those. Yes. J- well, I mean, you haven't been in Stanton for long. Yeah, I mean, you've true. been on cruise trips. There's not that's many true. JMPD trucks there. Yeah. So I, I see a traffic truck, you know, traffic police truck. I'm like, oh, impressive. Like a towing truck. Like a towing truck. Yeah. And, but it's traffic police. Yeah. You know? And uh, so I see, I'm like, ah, today's the day. And I see these two, you know, traffic cops and they go past every single car. So either giving them a ticket for parking illegally or. If the car is not on the road, and that's been a thing lately, I don't know if you know about that, taking the car. If it's not on the road, they take it. On a point of order. So they've been confiscating cars over the Easter weekend. What do you mean it's, if it's not on the road? What is it, like flying? Like roadworthy. Or? So they check if it's... Oh, roadworthy. the roadworthiness. Yes, yes, yes. yes yeah. So they check the license disc, they check the VIN number. Okay, right, yes. right. So, yeah. So they've been, I think over Easter weekend, correct me if I'm wrong, but the number I heard over the news was 40 cars was confiscated. Yeah. With from the drivers over the Easter weekend alone. Listen, that's probably not enough. I mean, I've seen some cars on the road where I'm right? thinking they should confiscate this twice. They should give it back to him and then take it back again. <laughs> it's so it's it looks so, so that's a thing. dicey. That's so a so thing. they were driving up and down the road, literally cashing in the, the cars or giving them a fine. Hundred percent. And then I saw the people. It, you know, it was funny. Then you see the people that are down the road. It's their cars, and they were running towards their cars because they knew what was coming. Standing there, yes, because like, yeah, they saw these cops are coming down and. You know, it's either going to be a ticket or, so, or say goodbye to your car. So it's that stretch outside of the mark, I mean, is just a mess uh, at the best of times because people, for whatever reason, don't feel like they need to park underground. Uh, it 100%. is also often the swanky cars uh, that like to park outside because obviously you want to be seen driving a Porsche you don't, or, or whatever Otherwise, it is. why are you uh, driving You know, it? a, a, a bra car that keeps That's going up it. and down the road. So you want to be parked outside so everyone can see you as you get out. And, and hear you. And hear you. Yes. Yes. Uh, don't miss that hearing you yes. uh, because you can afford the expensive car, but you can't afford a five rand parking ticket. <laughs> uh, times are tough. So uh, you park in the road. It's complete chaos because people who are trying to drive down the road can't 100%. get in and out. So were a lot of these cars expensive cars that they were sort of uh, loading up or not really? To be honest, half of them know. Um, so quite interesting. I just think, can I tell you the truth? I think people are just lazy because they just stop in front and maybe go in to Tasha's or... Yeah, one the, of those other swanky Red restaurants. Bull, the, the Red Bull? Oh, no, no, there's the Bull Run. The bull Run. There there's the Bull Run, run yeah. Correct me here, thank you. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I just don't get it. Like you say, there's parking. You just pay five rand. So why would you stop somewhere? Yeah, like I said, not. people people want to be seen, you know, that in their McLaren or but whatever. So. I see the Hyundai i20s or whatever. So it's not, I don't think that's the case for everybody. Yeah, I think those people are just like too lazy to just go find 100%. parking or whatever. So, okay, so the Metro Police was cleaning up. Okay. And then you had another story on cruisers as well. Funny enough, we were talking yes. about cruisers to start with. So, so, so interesting, Alex, that I wanted to discuss with you. Um, I got an email yesterday. So everybody, you know, always asks me the same question when they hear I've worked on cruise ships. And to be honest... Now in June, I'll be home for one year. And that's the longest I've been home in nine years. On land. On land. Yeah. And people will always ask me, oh, what are you doing now? And I'll tell them and they'll and they'll go, oh, so you're not working on cruise ships anymore. And I'm like, well, they're not up and running, are they? So mm-hmm. so that's been a problem. But now, you know, they've, they've put out a notice that cruise ships are now from June 2021, apparently is going back into business. 
But so everybody is like super excited, but they've said this, no jokes, more than 10 times in the last year. So you kind of have to take it for what it is and see how things go. But um, I got an email, right? So I, I always knew, okay, there's going to be new requirements when you go back to cruise, cruise, cruise lines and things are going to be different. So, so here it goes. So now they asked, we have to do a survey. And in the survey, they ask you, so first question, have you been vaccinated? Okay, then are you willing to be vaccinated? If you have been vaccinated, which vaccine have you taken? Oh, gosh. Mm -hmm. Then are you willing to get vaccined when you join the ship? Twice. So you have to do it, I think, when you join. And then six months later, but they don't give you too much. They just say you're going to be vaccinated multiple times. Are you willing to do that? Yes or no. Um. Because you have to get vaccinated twice anyway. Now I think I think with right. a lot of these things you go right. for one injection mm. and then you go for a second injection yes, at a later stage. Apparently six months later, but okay. don't quote me on that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, very interesting. And then at the end, it basically tells you very, very clearly if you are not, then you will not be able to return. There's new uh, requirements for working on board cruise ships, and there's already been quite a few that we won't run through now. Certain things you needed, whatever the case might be. Um, so yeah, that was interesting. So yesterday I got that survey. Um, so that will determine probably, you know, the future for a lot of people. But now, Alex, an interesting thing. Imagine. So people think it's going to be that easy. It's not because every country now has a different rollout process. How long it's going to take or how long you're going to wait. That's a different story. So you're going to be on so, the world cruise now and you're going to probably have to play chess in some of these places because they won't let you off 100%. the ship, right? I mean, 100%. you'll be stuck on the ship. And I mean, we saw what a story that was when people got stuck on the ship and we went into total lockdown. I mean, uh, I, I have another friend who's also in the cruise business who took yes. weeks to get home. She was 100%. also working there mm-hmm. and she was parked off in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. and they now had to figure out how to get all these people back to where they belong. I mean, people are from all over the world. So I think what they ended up doing is they ended up grouping all the different nationalities on different ships. So they had like, I don't know, 10 ships. So one ship was Indonesian, the second ship was Indian, the third ship was South African, et cetera, et cetera. And then I think at some point they were like, look, we're not gonna get flights for these people. So we actually might as well just take the ship and ship them back to their country. So we're gonna go with the ship and drop them off uh, in whatever. That's correct. I was I was stuck for six weeks uh, before they they took us home. And so the problem was during that time, they open up flights in certain very limited times and then they'll close it and then they'll open it. But there was no notifications beforehand. So Aye. they would literally say, right, if you're Russian, this Friday, you're going home. And this is the day. Right. But then, it, you know, we weren't allowed to go to ports, like you say. So if you were close to a place where you could find a crew, an airline, which did have flights. So it was absolutely mental, to, to tell you the least. And then, yes, like you say, they they put us on, so they mixed cruise lines, so it didn't matter which cruise line you worked for. Uh, they would just put us, according to nationalities, on different ships. Yeah. And, and those ships. But, for example, one of my best friends, he was Venezuelan, right? So I was, I was on, on board ships for, for six months. He was for eight months. Gosh. Their country, his country didn't let anyone in, and, and not you know, even their own people. You always look at cruises and you think, oh, this is like going to be fun. Like, you know what I mean? I've always wanted, because they've got like those water slides and they've got the mm-hmm. cocktail bar mm-hmm. and pools or whatever you think, tea. I mean, I could just like, if I had to get, 
But to be stuck for eight months, I think the novelty wears off, right? I mean, then you're over, you're over it. Because also, remember, they had to comply with COVID rules and regulations. So oh. It wasn't like you can go and sip a cocktail and sit next to the pool. Pools no. were closed. Stop it. No alcohol. Wear masks. Isolated. Keep your distance. Who so wants it to wasn't do that? fun. No, right? oh, it doesn't sound fun at all. But uh, the two countries that was the strictest, just an interesting fact for you, was Venezuela and Mauritius. The Mauritians? Yeah, Mauritius. Are, yeah, still, oh. still, still very serious then. I see... Uh, Mauritius Airline also not uh, not mm-hmm. f- running or not fully operational yet. I see their local uh, regional director uh, has moved on and also their head of marketing, which is really sad and uh, keen to see what happens with Mauritius. I mean, such a great destination and we're so lucky as South Africans to be mm-hmm. literally a hop, skip and a jump away. I can't wait to go back again. But listen, our, our next guest is uh, on the line, so let me get her on. And uh, we're going to chat uh, after this interview again. Uh, Amarit Franstrand, she's going to carry on joining me for this 50th episode of the Santon Times podcast. Whoop, whoop. The latest news. The biggest names. The best destinations. The hottest entertainment. This is the Santon Times podcast. So, Michaela Russell, you might know her. She's a South African actress best known for her role as Charlie Holmes in the popular television soap opera Izzy Dingo in South Africa. She joins me from the United States to catch up on what she's been doing overseas. Uh, Michaela, good to chat to you again, man. Hi. Hello, family back home. I miss everyone. Um, also, I'm very sorry that I've adopted some uh, Americanisms. Right now, my accent sounds like it is very confused and like it needs a hug. We're so used to South Africans being successful overseas and having to adopt uh, accents. I think people are going to forgive you, Michaela. It's not. It's not even that. It's. It's actually. It comes. <laughs> I'm still the Stoko Selahua. Yeah. It's largely due to the fact that people do not understand what I'm asking for over here. Hey, can I have some napkins as opposed to can I have some water and some like paper towels? You know. So, so what? What are people like? What kind of what kind of situations have you had where you've said something and people went, "I don't know what you're trying to, what you, I don't know what you're saying." Most of all, with my beloved um, American man, love him to pieces. He's been with me for three years. He knows how I talk, uh, so he has no reason. Uh, it's enough for me to want to kind of hurt him, but I'm not going to do that because I'm a good person. Uh, specifically, it's usually when it's like peak hour traffic and I'm trying to get some shiz into the the boot. I'm like, hey, would you open the boot for me? Hi, gonna get killed out here. People are crazy. Is like, I don't understand. I'm like, okay, boot, boot. We've been living together for three years. You came to visit me back home. You know what I'm asking you. I'm like, all right, pop the freaking trunk, okay? And then suddenly everything happens, and I'm like, and then the boot opens. And then I, I am both very angry that I had to conform. And satisfied that I'm no longer at uh, great peril, you know. So there it is. Well, listen, it feels like a lifetime ago that you were an Izzy Dingo, even though you don't look it. But uh, you're kind of living the sort of South African thespian dream. I mean, if you hang out in the right uh, circles, there's always been that one person who's kind of, you know, gone to Los Angeles, gone to Hollywood, you know, gotten sort of a a side part (laughs) in ER and came back and realized that this is actually much harder than it looked. (laughs) What's it like? You know what? Um, thank you, Biden. Oh, it's been, I'm not going to lie. I moved here just before COVID hit. Well, then interesting for the COVID, right? If ever there was trial by fire, try uh, immigrating during a pandemic, specifically on a special talent visa, which means I still have to be doing work in the performing arts during a pandemic. So there was a lot of like ducking and diving, but we made it work. 
I think that's one of the glorious things about being an immigrant and about being from such a country that has shown me growing up in South Africa, it taught me compassion, uh, equality, the most beautiful parts about being a person and a part of that is many different things. Um, and also a part of a people that does not say give up. We deal with so many different challenges and so much adversity, but we still have that magnificent Ubuntu quality of, you know, it takes a village and we're all in this together. So coming here during that time has actually helped me flourish because we don't give up. And also I've met some, <laughs> I've got a, a sister out here. She used to play, um, as a Kia Patel used to play one of my uh, colleagues on Isidingo for a short period of time. And she moved about a year after I arrived. So we hang out every now and then. And she's, she's such an inspiration because she's an absolute stalwart and um, a powerhouse of a performer. And she never says die. So, you know, she keeps the rest of us inspired. I also have my, my dear friend Tendai, who uh, is the beast or was the beast for the uh, South African rugby team. He he and I try to rendezvous as, as frequently as we can. He, he's now based in Chicago, if I'm not mistaken. So I've got my gems of uh, South African inspiration. But I've been very fortunate, you know. I've hustled. I've done the damn things. And I've worked with some really cool people. And I've got some cool projects that have just happened and some that are coming up. And I will dive into that, depending on your next question. <laughs> Well, listen, tell us firstly, where in the U.S. are you based now? I am based in Los Angeles in a little town called Culver City, which is uh, in between Beverly Hills and Santa Monica. So Santa Monica is right on the beach where it's really beautiful there. It's fun. It's cool. It's like a cultural microcosm. I was never really <laughs> Venice. It's like right next to Venice, which is kind of where all the crazies go. But also where I've met some of the coolest, most interesting, dynamic people. And then Beverly Hills is obviously very bougie and fabulous and all the things. I live in the nice kind of, I, I wouldn't say it's a Lobo. I wouldn't even say it's Bryanston. It's kind of like, mm, I'm trying to think, uh, what would I call this area? It's the in-between the Bundus and the, the fabulous where I live out here. All right. Well, I'm not going to isolate a yeah. suburb and call them the Bundus or the Fabulous. So we'll we'll go with that as a as a as a description. <laughs> Michaela, so you've been there for a little bit. Take us through what was it like first um, arriving? What projects have you worked on? I mean, was there sort of the cliche working at Starbucks, dishing out coffee, hoping to meet somebody who can maybe get you in the right direction? <laughs> you know, what what are the auditions mm. like? I mean, just take us through that. Ooh, my friend. Okay, so. Starbucks would have been a step up from where I started, my friend. I actually dangerously live on a street where literally, as a crow flies, if I were to walk to the left, not even a block is a giant Starbucks. And that I should be buying stock, my friend. I spend way too much. Um, and then across the street is our equivalent of Willie's, except Willie's on like steroids. <laughs> is that possible? It is, actually, just so you know. I spend a lot of my money at a Whole Foods, which is, like, environmentally conscious and, like, probiotic, all the goodies and bells and whistles. And if you eat enough of it, you develop a unicorn horn and you can hear people's thoughts. Or at least that's the hope. So that's where I live. Um, but I started out, I, I came here for the American film market in 2018. 
I was uh, actually selling a script that I had written, which was a, a very high concept comedy. And I got Highland and Touchstone very interested. So I stayed, I was meant to be here for two weeks. I stayed for like six months. And then Corona was hovering gently upon the horizon. However, I had, um, I'd landed a lead role in a really cool American feature film during that time. So I decided to up the ante and get an American visa for work, which is called an O-1. So it's an exceptional talent visa. Basically, you have to prove that, hey, I can do the jazz hands and my jazz hands will make the industry that much better. Um, so that was fun and expensive. But it was an amazing, it was an amazing journey. And I've yet to not be rewarded by whatever higher power is guiding me if I don't kind of jump, even if I don't know if there's a safety net to catch me. And yeah, we, we filmed that in 2018, 2019. It's called Echoes of Violence. I've been very fortunate. I've got some really great reviews. We're about to do our next festival, which may be in Ireland, so we shall see. And another one in New York. I star alongside some greats, such as the very man who created Yoda from Star Wars. His name is Frank Oz, and I got to hang out with him and have many a glorious chat while I dorked out hard and did weird twitchy motions whenever he made a uh, a chuckle because just so you know he still laughs like Yoda he's like <laughs> I'm like <laughs> okay hi uh, very strange um, so that and then I've done some uh, I just released a film for Amazon Prime which is a rom-com I've got another feature film coming up um, I'm shooting in New York this coming weekend for another kind of pilot series and then I've got a really cool, interesting presenting lifestyle sitch that is hopefully going to be secured in the next few weeks, which will be in correlation and connection to the Spotify platform. But their video, their soon to be released video sitch. So this is all very, very low key. You didn't hear it from me. Well, listen, thanks for the exclusive. Eh? I mean, we'll take it. I mean, that's great. Jeez, it, sounds, it sounds like there's a lot of work, though, for uh, actors in the United States. It doesn't sound like you're running out of things to do. Well, I mean, think of it this way. It's an industry, where I'm based at least, that is lucrative and considered a business that is investment-worthy and recognized. South Africa, we're fighting the good fight. We have some of the most extraordinary talent I've seen anywhere in the world. I've worked in London. I've worked in Paris. I've worked here. And I still think that I've seen some of the best performances and most organic, authentic, powerful, moving stuff on stage in Pop Art Theatre back in Johannesburg and Maboneng. So South Africa certainly has the talent we just need the time and we need the investment and we need the unions and we need the regulatory bodies. And I know uh, Saga, I think it's Saga. Please forgive me if I'm getting the name wrong. We're all get, we're, I know South Africa's doing everything in its capacity to get us to that place of recognition. But it's not to say that the United States are chock-a-block full of work. I must reiterate the power of being from a third world country and being an immigrant and having the mentality of hustle because I know I know many actors out here that have not worked and they've been living here for 10 years. Jeez. I came here as an immigrant. I was accustomed to the ideal of I make my own work and I make my own opportunities. 
So I did the damn dance. And uh, through probably way too many obnoxious emails, <laughs> I, I landed roles, made friends and started the networking process. Um, so I've been both very blessed, but also I've, I have not slept, you know, keep on working. Well, listen, I mean, that's such a hard work pays off and a lot of people don't realize that uh, the entertainment industry isn't just a lot of fun. I mean, it, it looks fantastic. It's probably one of the better jobs you could probably have. <laughs> I mean, you could be an actuary or an accountant sitting and doing the uh, the annual uh, stock take or, or whatever it is that else that accountants and actuaries do. But uh, it's hard work. I mean, if you look at some of these actors and, and do yourself a favor, watch some of these behind the scenes uh, reels that they bring out for some of these movies. I mean, if you look at the likes of Tom Cruise, even Charlie's Tehran, you're going out, you're doing uh, training for nine months. I mean, you're doing, you know, martial arts. Uh, in some cases, they're even doing halo jumps. I mean, you're really pushing your body and your mind to the limit before you even have walked onto set. This is all pre-set work. And uh, it really is hard work. I, I, I have to tell you, I have to, sorry, sorry, sorry just touching on that because it was, it was such a, I, I have a notorious reputation for breaking my shit on set. <laughs> And this last feature film that I starred in, I was the lead, very fortunate. It's a story of an immigrant. It's called Echoes of Violence. It's going to be released to South Africa, hopefully in the next few months, once we settle on some um, international distributors. But for now, we're doing the festival run. And this is the one that I was uh, that I starred alongside uh, one of the lo- main members of Lost and Frank Oz, Mr. Sesame Street, a.k.a. Yoda, a.k.a. possibly my weirdly inappropriate Hollywood crush. So I was shooting that. It's a story of an immigrant. She gets sucked into a terrible deal with um, an immigration lawyer who takes advantage of her and sells all of her specifics as far as information and freedom is concerned, um, or rather just keeps it, holds it from her so that she cannot do anything apart from work from this entity and basically sells her into sex slavery. And I mean, this is one of the main ports for human trafficking. So it was a very empowering, um, powerful, almost way too close to home story to be telling. Um, But it's also a very Kill Bill-esque revenge story. I, you know, essentially break free of the um, uh, dark and dirty circle. And it's all about seeking revenge. But while I was on set, I did a lot of training. Also, FYI, South Africans, we drive on the other side of the street, on the other side of the car. I'd never been, I'd never driven before. Uh, This is day two on set. They sit me in a car in the driver's seat. I'm like, okay, so this is going to be a static shot, right? We're just going to be sitting here like, no, okay, so we're going to be driving. I'm like, stoked. We're going to be taking the back roads. Like, no, we're going to do a massive intersection. I'm like, I'm going to kill you all. Like, no, you can't. Not because we care about our lives, but because the camera on the back seat is worth a million dollars. And I was like, okay. <laughs> um, and by some miracle, I didn't kill anyone and the camera is still in pristine quality. Um, so that was fun. But also I managed to like, it was very action intensive and I love doing my own stunts. I have trained before in stunt work. I was still never ready. I had two ribs broken, um, full-on heat stroke, and I managed to lie down in a nest of fire ants, which you just don't know until you know. That was just a whole different level of, oh my God, this this is where I die? In like a shitty 
desert in between Palm Springs and Los Angeles. <laughs> Great. Well, listen, I hope so, the paycheck yeah. at least makes up for it. You know, it's it's much as what I've been accustomed to back home. Um, most of what I do that I'm actually proud of has nothing to do with the paycheck. There may be points in the back end or whatever it is. I mean, even if there is a paycheck, if I care about the work and I'm actually proud of it, it's usually because I had the um, distinct pleasure and privilege of telling a truthful story um, afforded to me or the opportunity afforded to me on a platform that is very rare and unique that I'm exceedingly lucky to have as an actress and as a champion for stories and true narratives. Um, and that's when it matters, you know, um, spoken like any true idiot uh, creative. We were like, yeah, we're starving, but we're doing great work. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's really uh, the greatest privilege. And the only reason I do what I do is to utilize some of my personal experiences and some of the insights I've gained through, you know, having the privilege of speaking to people and seeing true suffering and going through some of my own stuff to tell stories that make at least one person out there feel a little less alienated and perhaps slightly seen. Well, listen, that's what makes creative so great. And if you've got a little bit of a business mind, uh, that's even better because then you can put the two together <laughs> and have a complete party. Uh, so echoes yeah. of violence. Jeez, I really hope we get to see that in South Africa. So if there's anyone listening who's got uh, access to uh, any of the great platforms, I and mean, we're doing so much streaming now in South Africa, uh, maybe it'll oh, be one of the streaming even- platforms. It will be there soon. So, I, like, this is if you're speaking about bit business mindedness when it comes to um, the business side and the lucrative side of, of creative art and film, this is amazing. This is one of the big, big take homes that I've, I've been lucky enough to have since moving here. It's a, a deep appreciation for not just getting onto set, doing your job, learning your lines, and actually honoring a character. It's understanding that. Marketing happens well before. Attachment of cost is where most of the funding for a project gets made. Then you've got active production. Then you've got post-production, which then is more marketing, festivals, and then you're dealing with distributors and a whole bunch of other things, points on the back end. So right now it's unavailable anywhere outside of the United States because we have to keep it very contained while we're doing our festival run just so that we can get, first off, not bootlegged, which is a big thing, and the right kind of eyes on this project and keep it exclusive enough. But we're hoping in the next six months for it to be available internationally everywhere. But that's the, you know, that's a big project, the very big passion project that I was so fortunate to be a part of. The, um, The one that is available right now would be the Amazon Prime. And that's called, it's not you, it's me, um, which was a great deal of fun. And that is available everywhere in the world. And I get to use my South African accent. Uh, which is fab, um, and it's fun. You know, it's it's following the the quintessential straight man, like the as far as like the the like the, when I say straight man, I mean like the sort of basic vanilla man. Very, you know, nothing nothing all that spectacular about him. He's he's a nice guy, but there's nothing all that great about him. Kind of a dork. We both work for uh, an aeronautical company. Um, and somehow he's that guy that's just slept with a massive army of the most gorgeous out of his league women. And, um, you know, he's, he doesn't understand why none of his, re- his relationships work. And I'm like, yeah, okay, let's make a plan and a strategy. Let's go back to all the girls and see what you did wrong, which turns into a massive 
basically orgy of him revisiting all the exes before he finally realizes that the love of his life is me. Yay! As if, if only that worked out in real life. I won't read too much into that, but, uh, <laughs> well, so then we at least know. So we can watch It's Not You, It's Me on Amazon Prime. Uh, Echoes of Violence is going to take a little bit longer. Yes, sir. And if you end up finding it somehow on VHS at some point in your neighborhood, uh, good luck finding a VHS machine because most of us don't have that anymore. So you're not going to be able to watch it. So you're going to have to wait till it comes on streaming or... Uh, Whatever else, whatever else format there is. I don't think there's any other format at this point. It's streaming or nothing. So I'm looking forward to that. It'd be good to see you oh. on, on the big screen as well and, uh, and and watch this movie. It sounds really, really great. And uh, Michaela, any final, oh, yeah, any, any, any passing thoughts that you've got for us as we as we wrap this up uh, from the United States? Uh, are you missing home? Oh my goodness. Um, I This was the greatest challenge of my life. Um, I've never endured... I'm about to start tertiary education again in the United States because I feel I feel like, uh, um, you know, lazy hands do the devil's work. I, I, I want to get my master's and my, my doctorate out here. So I'm going to do that and I'm, I'm trying to keep as busy as possible, but largely because I miss my people. I miss my hias. I miss my tribe. I miss the food. Eating jerky is just a disgusting excuse for a biltong. I really miss biltong. It's pathetic, but I do. Um, I came here with the intention when I did to be here for a month in 2018, you know, a quick, quick business trip and then return. And my production partner at the time needed me to stay on a couple of months. And then I upgraded to a work talent visa so that I could shoot a couple of feature films, which I landed in that time. And then Corona hit. And that was nearly three years ago. So, you know, I never even got a chance to say goodbye to my family because I was like, you know, it's a quick business trip. I love you guys. I'll see you soon. Or pack enough biltong. Um, oh, you know, I don't need any more reasons for immigration to lock me up. <laughs> so, no. Um, but it has been heartbreaking. I miss my family more than I can possibly articulate. But it, they're also the reason why I work so hard. Um, they're the reason why I do everything. Uh, they're my life force, and I am so incredibly honored to be a part of the family I belong to, and um, to do anything that honors them is the greatest privilege. So I'm looking forward so deeply to seeing them. I've just got, I'm about to get my second vaccine, which is a blessing itself, uh, which apparently I'm hellishly allergic to. So looking forward to the next one. Yeah. Um, but at some point, that'll make me a little bit more uh, attractive as far as international travel and going home is concerned. So, yeah, I miss the hell out of home. But it's It's been a real privilege to be here and to do the work that I have and to be, you know, with somebody that I adore and who's also in the, the performing arts. My boyfriend is an exceedingly good writer and director. He actually directed me on the feature film I was discussing, Echoes of Violence. Not to say I just got the role. If anything, it was the most difficult audition of my life. Whereas any other production put you through, you know, two, three auditions because we were dating. He's like, you know, we really got to make, we, you, you got to earn this. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so seven auditions later, I'm like, please, God, tell me I've got the role, <laughs> which I did eventually. Um, but it was such an exquisite pleasure and treat working with him on set. Um, and you know what? It's just, if I have one parting message to anyone back home, it would be dream as big as you possibly can. Don't believe that your situation, your 
your upbringing, your status, um, what the rest of the world has to say about you determines who you are or where you're going. Uh, chase those dreams. South Africans are a magnificent people. We are hardy. We work hard. We have tenacity. We hustle like no one else. And we have the most exquisite, extraordinary cultural identity as a rainbow nation and as a people for love. So never give up. We can do any damn thing. Um, and I just love everyone back home so deeply. And I'm so stoked that as I've been talking, the, the South African accents come back a little bit. My mom won't let me speak in Afrikaans here anymore, which is a good indication as to where I'm at pronunciation and uh, inflection-wise. Michaela Russell sees a South African actress in the United States. You're making us proud by a donkey. And uh, we hope to chat to you again soon. And I look forward to talking to you again with uh, bigger and bigger projects in the pipeline. So it's been an absolute pleasure having you on this podcast. Uh, also, just so you know, guys, the sun is not up yet. So my brain, you know, it's a little dololo. Meneer dus a groep plezier in by donkey. You're listening to the Santin Times Podcast. Well, great chat to uh, Michaela again. I hadn't seen her since she was on our South African screens. And uh, I think just the other day I came across uh, a trailer or something that she was in. And uh, even that show that she's doing on Amazon Prime, I think it looks quite, looks quite fun. Uh, but I thought it was so interesting that she, uh, you know, had this sort of like torn accent between sort of South African and yes. American. Did you find that as well when you were on the ships that people kind of started adapting other countries' accents? Well, I would say no, to be honest. But then when I speak English, even now at this this job I did for a while, people would ask me, where are you from? And I'd be like, that's a bizarre question. I said, South Africa. And they said, oh, you sound like... So people think I sound British for some reason, but I've been on British cruise lines for about six years. So, you know, like you you catch certain words like I'm knackered. And, and the first time I heard that, I, I thought, you're naked. What? <laughs> <laughs> and then I said, no, it means you're tired. I said, oh, okay, interesting. You well, know. you told me about a story that you came across somebody on uh, one of the ships that uh, didn't, had never heard the word Lou. Exactly. Bizarre. So Italian uh, lady. And um, so, so again, the British, British English and, and, and American English people will tell you it's very different. Like, yeah. So, so this Italian, she's an L technician, lovely girl, stood at the reception, and uh, I really didn't want her to ever stand there. I told her, don't stand here because you don't really understand everything, and people will expect you to answer questions. So just avoid it in general, right? So she was st- stood in the front, and this lady came, and she said, where's the loo? And Lisa's face. She's And, and, and you know, they so Eastern European, they come across very abrupt or rude, even though they're not. And she was sorry, like, so the, ge- the guest was Eastern European? No, no, no. The, oh, no, so, she was Italian. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Italian, Italian But, yeah. you know, they, they can come across a little bit... Oh, yeah, Italians you know. are very passionate. Very, yeah, yeah. Go, they're like, you know... They talk with a, with a dance. With, with their hands, say, yeah. Yes. So, uh, she, and she said, what? And the lady said, Lou. Like, looking at her like sh- like she... Like, do you not understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, and uh, and then I, and I said, madam, just, uh, you know, uh, around the corner to your left, you'll find yeah. Lou there. And, and Lisa said, what, what is she looking for? I said, Lisa, that's that's called a toilet in uh, in British English. Yeah. And she said, ah, I never heard that. Before. You know, a lot of people also like using the word washroom. Washroom. That's which it. I also thought was quite interesting. Washroom, because it's not like you're going to there to wash. But I agree. yeah, there's a couple I, of interesting words for the for the word toilet or bathroom or loo or washroom. But you know, that's quite interesting because I think you yes. take so many words and uh, sort of 
think phrases that you use in your everyday for granted and it's yes. only once you throw a whole bunch of people from different nationalities and countries in uh, into one place where you suddenly go hang on a second like like I don't understand what you're saying uh, and I think you the, and, and what's also quite interesting is how uh, Australians and British will use the same words but they'll use them in different contexts or yes. different meanings yes. and people will give you like the strangest looks when you use the word and they say okay that's a bit of a weird word to use for that and you're going no no but that's what we always use and they're going no no we use that for something completely different 100% um, yeah I'll tell you a funny thing about about the Brits versus South Africans and all I've been through it my first time I went there in 2011 and since then all South Africans I know ha- has the same story so you know the, the British goes you okay so that means how are you Right. Oh, right, yes. So they go, you okay? So the first time someone said that to me, I looked at them and I said, yes, why? And they were like, well, I'm just asking you okay. I said, well, yes, why would you ask that question? I thought, you know, do I look sad? Do we, you know, what's happening? And and the one girl next to me said, I'm right, that's just the way they ask. Oh, they're, so, they're sort of just like, what, what? Hello, hi. That's quite funny. It, it is. You okay? You know, it's 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 funny because I've also found that very much with um, uh, also we're talking about Eastern European, mm. uh, but I suppose it probably applies to a lot of other countries that are not necessarily native English speakers. Right. That because the vocabulary isn't as uh, you know as fully developed in terms of you don't you you, you don't necessarily have all the subtleties of certain languages. So, for example, like if if I was unhappy about mm-hmm. something or if I didn't like something, mm-hmm. I would probably find a very sort of um, elegant way right. to say to you, look, Actual you know, ma- maybe it's not the right time now to be discussing this or la la la. Whereas if you don't have that kind of vocabulary or that kind of subtlety, you kind of uh, just say it the way it is. And people say, oh no, but he's very rude. Uh, you know, he, he's like, you know, he says it the way it is. But it's it's one of those things. And I think it's only once you've traveled a lot that you really start understanding these things and don't take it as seriously. You just really? realize that this is the way it is because, you know, People are not necessarily all English first speakers, but I must say though, I did also find that you have a few words where there's like sort of a, 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 a an American sort of really? uh, yeah roll to it, right. um, and it comes up once in a while. There's sort of there's sort of like this Afrikaans American that's sort of like, <laughs> like or, or like as Michaela. as my cousin calls it, Americans. Americans. <laughs> like so I want to tell you a funny story about a Japanese guy. Yes, so, you know their accent is also very. You know, I, I don't know actually how to explain it, but anyway, it, it, I actually thought about this because right. a lot of people always—it's terrible—they always confuse South Korean, uh, Chinese, Japanese, Chinese, Japanese, whatever. Like everyone's just Chinese, which isn't the case. I actually, people have very unique differences. I think if you spent a lot of time in those areas, yes. you do know that people have very different subtleties and whatever. And uh, what I find with the Japanese language is that it's very. Um, What's the word for it? It's, uh, it's. Uh, I don't think abrupt is the right word, but it's sort of like, yes. it's got a very stringent sound. Mm. It's not sort of like, you know, people always say French is so po- uh, poetic and right. and German is very sort of, yeah, mm. so Ger- scut yeah. und Ger- so ein mm. Tag, yeah. It's very aggressive. So right. I think Japanese is very sort of like, da-da, da-da, da-da. It's got like this sort of very distinct pattern. Anyway, carry on. Very true. Aligato. That's yeah. Japanese for you. And uh, anyway, so this, this he was uh, my acupuncturist and some of the best acupuncturists I've worked with is Japanese, right? Um, which is funny because it originated from China. Anyway, so. Awkward. He, so they sell herbs. They're also herbalists. Right? Okay. And man, he just couldn't sell any herbs. 
and I would do training with him. So do you say the selling herbs? Well, yes. Like is this sort of like sort of like uh, homeopathic? Yes. Uh, on the ship, hundred percent. So they sell sort of like oils and bombs. And only, only herbs. And let me tell you, it's it's phenomenal. My mom used it for um, going through menopause, and she never felt better. So amazing herbs, natural way of healing. Uh, you know, that's that's their whole mission, right? right? And um, anyway, so he he couldn't sell one herb, one you know bottle of herbs. And one day, it was so funny. You know, and he was an amazing acupuncturist. Like when people had treatments with him, they'll always come back. The one day he comes into my office and he's like, and they, I, when they say my name, they say Amulet. You know? Oh, they don't sp- pronounce the R. They can't say R. Oh, no. see, okay. Amulet, Amulet. I, I found out why I did not say sell herbs. I said, and he came out so, so excited. I'm right, like, I finally found out why. Eureka. He told me, I used to say herbs. And people <laughs> said, didn't know what he was talking about. People did not understand me. And I was like, oh, well. I'm glad you figured that out by yourself. And he said, yes. And now he saw this first herb because he said, I say herb now, not herb. Well, but, but, but isn't the, don't the Americans also say that? They always talk about herbs. Herbs. They never right? say like, when they That's say like it's basil and it's sage, it's an herb. It's herb. They don't say herb. 100%. So I'm sure his American clients must have been lining up. I, I don't think that was the reason, but I think in his mind, he, he kind of justified why he sold his first Herb. She was. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, one more other thing I wanted to pick up on with this, uh, this chat we just had with uh, Michaela. Yes. Uh, she was just saying how much South African stuff she misses. Yes. And like she was talking about biltong. Mm. And I thought, wow, these are such interesting things that she's missing. We yeah. never think about it. Like when we're in South Africa, we're always like, oh, I want to go to Paris. I want to go to Dubai. Yeah. And like, oh, it's so much better overseas. Mm-hmm. And then you start realizing the stuff that you actually miss. Yes. Uh, did you have the same thing when you were on the ships? I mean, did a lot of South Africans sort of come up to you and go, oh, do you have like a... Um, a Romani cream, or do you have a omarask, or a, or something, a chutney? Or? Yes, you get those people. So, for me, because I've been on ships so long, I think I remember my first contract. You know what's the, the weirdest thing I missed was was waves. Waves. So when you go to Cape Town and Durban, we've got waves, and it hits the rocks, and it's ah, just yeah, beautiful. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Love okay, the ocean, right? okay, yeah. So I went to even Spain. So I, my first contract, I remember, and I was like, what is this? There's no way. Oh, because water's very is, quiet. Y- yes. And uh, and that was bizarre for me. I said, this is weird. And and it's now I know, like every ocean is different. But when you start traveling, you're like, this is weird. There's no waves. Like, how does this work? And the ocean is just calm, like, it's like, like cruising, a river. It's like cruising on a lake. 100%. Yeah. And then, but you know which, which countries are very, and it's so true, the oceans, everything, New Zealand and Australia. Is what? The beaches and stuff. It's like being on a South African beach. Okay, similar. Similar. Okay. Very, very similar. So, um, yeah, there's, there's not a lot of places that I feel like, wow, I'm home when I go to a beach. It's nice, don't get me wrong, but it's just very calm. So very idyllic, but I'm like, where's the waves? That's an interesting one, yeah. yeah. I mean, she, like, I mean, she was saying, you know, she, a lot of the foods, uh, and it, you know, it is quite funny though. We are, we're we're very funny as South Africans, also. I know, I know this when I travel as well. That, you know, like, oh, can we complain about our, each other? Oh my goodness, when we're here, you know, that guy and this guy and blah 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 and 100%. whatever. But let me tell you, hey, there's something about us meeting at an international airport in the middle of nowhere, and there's some guy in a Springbok rugby jersey with a South African flag on it, and you couldn't care less who this guy is, where he came from, what he does. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like an ambassador to the country. It's like you just want to walk up to the guy and be like, "How's it, but? Like, where did you go? Where are you going to? Let's have a drink." It's it's like you just find South Africans all over the world, 
and they just have either a rugby jersey or like a uh, one of the soccer jerseys mm-hmm. and they or they have a, a jacket with that flag on it or, or the other sort of national um, uh, apparel uh, a k-way jacket right yes <laughs> or you hear them talking to someone yeah in Afrikaans hi can I please have one coffee yes, yes. And, and just black no milk eh? sugar no thank you you know and you go oh are you South African yeah where are you, you know, from you get so excited just hearing the, the, the South African English accent you know? so so amazing Like it's weird. We have this weird bond, even though when we get back here, it's like, oh, I can't stand these people, the Afrikaners or the Zulus or the Tosas or whatever. And you just like, oh, you know, they must just go wherever they need to go. Like I can't handle them anymore. And the moment you see them somewhere else in the world, it's like we've like, you know, we're long lost brothers. Listen, I'll tell you. And, and we had, I had this exact conversation. So we call them Paisanos. That's like a thing on ships. Paisanos? Yeah. So, what, what, so what, what will, yeah. like, it's like, for example, I'm on a ship and then people go, hey, I'm right. So your Paisano joined today so that means a person from your country right? okay right right okay paisano. so they're not pisces they're just no no, no. paisano okay. that's what i mean so that's like a word on ships okay. so interesting enough and, and i said to people like i don't understand people so in the, here you won't even greet or look at someone like when you walk in the mall like you don't even look at the person next to you like you say we get annoyed but then 100 you are bosom buddies when you meet anybody from your country and And I, and I listened to to this talk, and it's very true because that's how you're in Thailand. All of a sudden, we we're kind of people that likes people like comfort and things they know. So when you're traveling alone, you feel kind of alone. Yeah. But then when you have someone that's just where you're from, there's some kind of so that's why it's there's a psychology there's psychology behind it, right? Yeah. So it makes you feel the Afrikaans were taste. Like yeah. It makes you feel like at home. home. Yeah. So something, and, and, something from home. And if know? they've got a packet of Simba chips, then I mean, you're sold. Besties. I mean, you guys are yeah Besties. for life, for life. So so yeah, that's that's bizarre, but very very true. Wow, amazing. Well, listen, we got the guys from uh, Jersey Trails on the line. Let's get to that interview right now. Connect with the Santon Times. Email editor at santontimes.co.za. Well, everyone's been desperate to get out of the house uh, more and more. I know I was chatting to somebody uh, just this week and they were saying, you know, there's such great hiking trails. We need to organize a hike on weekends. We need to go somewhere. And uh, yeah, I think people are really, really looking forward to going somewhere and just getting out into the fresh air and doing something where they can be active and they can do something uh, where they kind of move around. And uh, I came across this great story, uh, Josie Trails. Uh, a lot of people in Johannesburg uh, will know of Josie Trails, but there's also quite a few people who don't. And they've also started a new initiative. But before we get into that, I'm going to uh, firstly get a, a bit of a, a perspective on Jersey Trails. And joining me uh, for this interview are Owen Cook and David Kramer from Jersey Trails. And, and David, maybe just to give us a perspective for those people who've never been on a Jersey Trail, what is a Jersey Trail? As you may know, all green space in Johannesburg are the responsibility of Joburg City Parks and Zoo. But, you know, the municipality doesn't have the resources and the capacity to make sure that the trails are well maintained and that they're accessible and attractive and safe. And so Josie Trails were set up specifically to do that. So we work in partnership with the city to make sure that people can enjoy the trails um, and that they are as safe as we can make. Um, and now that that's been a fairly successful exercise in the area that we're working in, we're um, also looking to to make public nature trails part of the, um, the the leisure assets of the city as a whole and throughout the city. So that's really, uh, you know, so we, we're there to make sure that people can enjoy the trails, that they're safe, that they're well signposted, and that there isn't a civil war between the cyclists and the runners and the walkers, etc. 
So that's essentially what we do. We, we're trying to get people out onto those trails and to make sure that those trails can be enjoyed and that they're effective and safe. Well, David, maybe just to, 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 to recap the first part of your, your answer there, because our connection within Johannesburg is, oh, is, is quite scary. So essentially, Jersey Trails, you okay. it's it, the public spaces that a lot of people know and love along uh, a lot of these sort of uh, waterways in and around Johannesburg are kind of the spaces that you look after and people can cycle, they can run, they can go for a walk. I mean, I know if you go down to, to Delta Park, or even sort of the, the sort of Craig Hall area. There's always a lot of cars parked outside uh, next to mm-hmm. the, next to the Sprite there. People sort of make it a, a Saturday or Sunday morning activity. And uh, d- just give us a sense, what are sort of the, the, the popular places to go to uh, in and around Santon that people sort of take in a lot of these trails? Well, uh, you know, I think if, if we start with uh, the, the Johannesburg Botanical Gardens, they are a really popular destination people who want to enjoy the outdoors. And then moving north from there, we get to park. And that's another one of the flagship parks. And that that draws thousands of people on, on a weekend. And as we move further north, the, the, the trails then wander all the way through to Stirlingham, all the way through to Ravonia. Um, and everywhere you go, you'll find people on those trails, uh, cyclists and runners. Um, and, and, and that, it, it's it's one of Joburg's most appealing outdoor venues. And as I say, you can, you can pretty much use 37 kilometers of that trail uh, different communities use different parts of it i think that the what people don't really appreciate is how much effort it takes to make sure that those trails are not overgrown uh, that they are accessible that they are safe and that they're attractive and really that's that's a a job that's been done by various business associations to different degrees and by organizations like jersey trails and by joburg city park and zoo into making sure that those those trails remain uh, something that is appreciated can be appreciated and enjoyed by residents of northern johannesburg well, let's get into the security aspect of it, Owen. Uh, you know, the first thing that South Africans or Johannesburgers worry about uh, whenever we go out and about is the security aspect around it. And now you've launched a new initiative to try and secure these pathways as much as possible. Like we said, they're used by families, they're used by maybe a lot of uh, women groups, you know, who like to get together on a Saturday morning, go for a quick walk or a run and then have a coffee afterwards. W- what is this new initiative that Josie Trails is putting in place now to make sure that people are a little bit safer when they uh, take a walk along some of the sprites in the rivers. Thanks, Alex. Well, what we're doing is we're doing uh, things in two phases. We wanted to start something quickly that we could get up and running and make an immediate difference to some of the issues that we, we're facing. We go. The trails are a challenging environment. Being an open uh, green belt and public space, it is a challenging environment. And we have found that we've got certain crime challenges. So what we did is we decided to get the community involved and ask the volunteers to come out and be a visible presence on the trails in a certain area that we've, we've designated. And what we, we created a safe route, really. And the program's called the Trail Guardians. We get people out in high-visibility jackets, carrying panic buttons that are linked up to some of the local security providers and pepper sprays, and we, and we get them to patrol a route twice a day. And that's between 6.30 in the morning and 8.30, and then again in the afternoon between sort of 4 and 6. And we, what we're trying to do is we're trying to get the public to use the, the safe route, which starts at the bottom of Conrad Drive in Blegari and goes, follows the Bramfontein Sprite up to Delta Park. And then it handrails the perimeter of Delta Park and it loops back down to, back down to Conrad Drive. And what we want is the more people using that section of the trail in those times and condensing the park users, the safer it becomes. The more eyes and ears we have, the, the more visibility we have. 
And essentially, that's the first phase, getting the community involved and out on the trails, doing best to to provide as much overwatch and as much um, of a safety net as we can. And this is the, this was our immediate solution to what we were the challenges we were seeing, and to give us a bit of breathing room for the longer term solution. And we've been working very closely with Santa, uh, with um, South African Police Service, with Johannesburg Metropolitan Department, um, with local security companies, with residents associations, with Joburg City Parks and Zoos, and coming together and getting all the stakeholders together to create a longer a longer-term, efficient, effective, and sustainable security strategy. And that's currently in progress at the moment. We're also going to be working quite closely with uh, Vimicam, who've come on board as a technical provider, and is going to be taking a technical solution to the urban green space challenges and linking that up with security um, security companies and finding a solution that's um, sustainable and we, we can keep going over time. You mentioned challenges, Owen. Uh, you know, is this a prevent, uh, sort of a preemptive uh, move, or have you had a few incidences in the past that has now led to the fact that you've now had to put this in place? Unfortunately, we have uh, there are regular occurrences in the parks, as with the rest of the city. Unfortunately, crime is something as Johannesburg residents that is something we've almost become numb to. Unfortunately, and it happens on a day day basis in shopping centers on roads and the green belt is no different park users especially people using the parks in the middle of the day or in quiet times low light times are vulnerable to to criminals and that's an unfortunate thing that we've had to deal with and we've had to deal with a number of uh, robbery cases in and around the joe city trails footprint over the last year and that's why I came on board, because I've grown up in Johannesburg using the trails. I've, I mountain bike on them, I run, I walk my dog, and I noticed what Josie Trails was doing. It was a really interesting project. Um, and then for my sins, the director, Albert, found that my backing was security, and I got brought on board to try and help with these sort of um, crime waves that we get, because it is crime waves. It's not consistent every day. It comes in ebbs and flows. Where we have a number of incidents and then it, it, it quietens down and then we have a number of incidents and it, it does this in a sort of repeated pattern. So it's, it's, um, it's too good a resource and it's be an issue to stop people using the parks. It's our main greenbelt, recreational greenbelt in the center of Joburg and we can't, uh, we can't let it become unusable. David, if people would want to uh, be part of uh, using these Josie trails or, or maybe even join the, 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 the NGO and, and sort of volunteer their, their, their time, uh, where can they get more information? Is there a cost involved in, in using some of these trails? No, there's no cost involved at all. It's a public trail and it's open to the public. And we certainly would, would welcome more people volunteering to, to be part of the project. So if one wants to be part of the project, it's a simple matter of going to the website. On the website, there is an online form where, where you can put your details down and you can tell us when you're available to uh, to be part of a patrol. And once that form is filled in, it will be submitted to us and we will get back to you. And we will then try and schedule you in either with you or you and your family, or we'll put you together with one or two other people so that you can take part in a trail. But I, you know, I think that what we're asking people to do is no different to what they're normally doing. But instead of just going for a walk um, as, a, as a leisure activity, we're asking people to take that walk, but to observe and to report anything that they see that looks suspicious. 
so that we can take we can take appropriate action. So it's really not an onerous thing to do. And so far, we've got 65 citizens who have basically said, instead of complaining about the situation, I'm going to stand up and do something. And so that's what we're inviting people to do, become part of the solution rather than complaining about the problem. Well, there you have it, Josie Trails, and you can visit uh, josietrails.co.za to get some more information. And uh, yeah, there you have it. If you want to be a regular walker, if you want to be a cyclist, or if you want to be part of the team and uh, and lend uh, your walking time to also, you know, keeping an eye out uh, for the rest of the community, you can do that. David Cram and Owen Cook, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on from Josie Trails. And uh, thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you very much. This is the Santon Times Podcast. Follow us on social media. Right, they have Josie Trails. Very interesting. I must say, I've never done any of these trails, and it's actually quite shameful uh, having grown up in the city. But I always see them on, on Saturday and Sunday mornings. There's people parking off outside coffee shops, uh, the, especially the one there in Delta Park. It's that new Delta Corner that they've set up. There's, I think there's a new um, sort of... I guess like a Whole Foods, if we have to go back to our previous uh, interview, uh, like a like a healthy sort of supermarket. And outside there, it's, it's packed. Saturday, Sunday morning, people with their cycling gear, people with their running kits, families up and down. So I don't know, I really need to do that. I know we've been chatting about having to do a hike yes. sometime soon. Uh, and you've done some really cool hikes uh, out in Paris. I have, yes. Recently, I did one. And, it, you know, so easy place to find um, lovely trail, great for kids as well. You can even cycle it. What's so it called? Cycling. Um, it's, it's like the Paris hike yes, place. Yes, that's what it's called. <laughs> um, I'm very bad with names actually. So yeah, it was lovely. And then you end up like walking next to the river, next to nice streams. Um, you could go up the mountain. Uh, we didn't do it that day, but I'm excited to take it a different trail. But yes, I, I love hiking. And then I found out you're, you're quite, uh, also familiar with hiking. Yeah, man. Done Kilimanjaro twice, yes. Mount Olympus. Uh, I enjoy the mountaineering uh, a bit more. Mm. Uh, yes, but yes. Uh, funny enough, when we were preparing for these places, mm. uh, we did Seikobos Runt, which is not far from outside of Johannesburg. Right. Then there's uh, Machalisburg. Mm. Uh, Machalisburg's got some nice trails. Then yeah. there was, then we went all the way to the Drakensberg, which is Sentinel Peak, which is the second highest, uh, I think, in the Drakensberg. But there's, I mean, the Drakensberg's got its whole own Clarence, whatever, it's got its own uh, trails that you can do. And, but closer to Johannesburg, I mean, it's probably a good, I'd say, five or six uh, mm. really great uh, spots to go to with multiple different options. Right. And uh, Melville Copies reopened again now. Uh, we spoke about that on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Yes. We can do Melville Copies, I think it's once a month, um, which was quite disappointing when I was originally doing a lot of the training for Kilimanjaro, which is also like, gee, that's also like five years ago now, mm. because a lot of these places were closed, like mm. Galuli's Farm, uh, uh Melville copies, uh, there was a couple of other ones and they were like, look, not safe, don't do it, uh, especially if you're going on your own or maybe in a, as a couple. Yes. Another really interesting one that I've heard a lot about is uh, the one out in Houghton, which is the Wilds. Uh, the Wilds uh, Green Belt, uh, it's more of a park, right? but very big and you can do some fantastic walks and they've really restored that now. I've heard it's really looking fantastic. Must actually take a, a, a drive there and actually have a look at it. But, uh, you know, if you're not sort of into sort of putting a backpack on and, and, you know, filling a water bottle or whatever, that might be a good start. Maybe go to yes. the Wilds and try that out first and then, right. you know, you can upgrade to to river exactly. streams and that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, even this Jersey Trails looks like a really nice sort of morning run. Did you ever do park runs when you were in South Africa or not really? 
Not really. I, I did one 5K run, but uh, I've done runs only for charity, to be honest. Okay. Because um, that park run on a Saturday morning is also just really fantastic. It looks amazing. Um, when, it was, when it was really in it, I mean, now with COVID as well, once yes. again, it's one of those things that's kind of taken a little bit of a, a knock. Yes. But there was one near Bluebird Center. There was one at uh, Woodmead at that office park with, where they have all the bookies as well. That was also really nice. Mm. And it's not a, not a hectic walk. It's like a 5K walk. Exactly. And before you know it, it's done. You go for coffee afterwards, great. 100%. And I know you want to talk a little bit about security. Um, and now I've got a question for you. Have you ever climbed Table Mountain? You know, I actually haven't climbed Table Mountain. Mm, like um, five times. You know, and once again, I don't know if it was just a timing thing because generally right. when I was in Cape Town, I was for work or whatever and there okay. wasn't really time to now mm. organize a whole hike. Uh, I've done some hiking in George. Okay. Sort of that whole sort of... Uh, What's it called? Garden Route area. Nice. That's really nice, uh, but not enough. I mean, Otter Trail is still on the list of things to do. Right. Uh, but uh, a of Table Mountain, no. And I mean, you always you hear either fantastic stories. People go, oh, so great, and la, 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 and Lion's Head and all that. Yes. Lion's or you hear people going, oh, you know, we got mugged or somebody got stolen, something got stolen, whatever, because, you know, security, like you said, always a bit mm. of a concern. So, so yes, I've, I've heard stories about it not being safe, but let me tell you, I've done it five times, and... It, it, honestly, it's one of the best. I'll tell you why. When you get to the top, Alex, the view, I cannot explain. Like photos cannot explain it. And I've hiked a couple of places. I've been many places around the world. But one of my favorite places to be is hiking up on Table Mountain and, and viewing the ocean from the top. It's priceless. You, you know, there's people it. probably listening yeah. somewhere in the world now that are probably like crying into their coffee or their glass of wine right now because they they can't get to Cape Town. They've been to Cape Town. They know exactly what we're talking about. Yes. And they're like, uh, damn you, uh, Amaret, for mentioning that now. This is like almost no, like that built-on conversation from early on. <laughs> but, no, uh, but you're right. I mean, it's, stunning. It's incredible, hey? Stunning. Incredible. I mean, I'd like to do it. And it's not just Table Mountain. I mean, there's like a whole, you can do the whole 12 Apostles. I think there's a whole bunch of different mm -hmm. routes you can do. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, actually really keen to see what happens now after these fires. Because surely those that. routes must have been affected. Mm. Uh, by by all of this stuff. Yeah, that that broke my heart to be honest. When I saw the fire, you know, climbing up the mountain, that for me was was terrifying. To see that, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because all the real. all the uh, fauna and flora and all of that stuff must have been heavily affected. And there's a lot of um, bugs that lives that lives on the yeah. on the mountain. Yeah, that you see. And I want to I want to actually tell you something bizarre I saw when I was hiking. Yeah, I saw bucks, big bucks, like not little springbokies, you know. Like, um, and they were jumping from one jumping. Like, if if I didn't see it with my own eyes, I'd be like, no, this can't this can't be real. They're like mountain goats. Yes. Hey. Yeah, and they were jumping from one little tiny rock with their all four, you know, and then they would jump. To the next. That's incredible, hey. It was something amazing to see, like the things you see. I'm not sure you've seen amazing things yourself, but yeah, that was. No, no, I mean, it, you know, it is. You you so often underestimate nature. I mean, especially mm. if you go sort of like, if you've been to to Europe as well, and you go to like the Swiss Alps or the Bavarian Alps, and you see like these mountain goats who are like, I mean, it's like you think like they have no like support string or nothing yes. holding them up or you know rope that's like or a helmet yes. and here they are just like oh whatever you know jumping from like one rock to the next you know like i mean if they slipped and fell they're dead like i mean that's it that's mad 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 the latest news the biggest names the best destinations the hottest entertainment this is the santon times podcast all right, you've been listening to episode 50, week 16, uh, part one 
of uh, this milestone podcast for the Santon Times. And uh, we need to wrap up this part one, but good news is we're going to be releasing part two in the not too distant future. We're actually going to do it the same week, but we're going to give you a little bit of a, a break. You've enjoyed part one. Part two is going to be equally as great. Amaret's going to join me for that as well. So make sure that you subscribe and uh, leave a review or rating for this podcast. You can also reach out to us on editor at santontimes.co.za and follow the Santon Times on social media at Santon Times. Don't forget to visit the website www.santontimes.co.za. I'm uh, great to have had you uh, on this first part of our 50th episode of the Santon Times podcast. It's been a blast, Alex. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm looking forward to having you on again uh, later this week when we release the second part. And uh, thank you to all my guests who've uh, made the time to be on here from all over the world. Uh, As always, I wish you all the best uh, for the day ahead. And uh, thank you for listening. And uh, make sure that you tune in for part two of episode 50, our milestone uh, podcast. But for now, cheers. And uh, we'll chat again soon.